Hello and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore. So glad that you're joining us again this week. I'm one of your hosts, and of course I'm joined by one of our illustrious co-hosts, Dr. Scott Melson. Hello, sir. How are you? Pretty good. It's, uh, you know, it's weird, weird December weather. I don't love it. Uh, I wish that it was freezing cold and uh, that there was snow on the ground. Um or that it was at least cold, this like 60 degrees, dry, windy thing a week before Christmas is not my jam. But uh, you know what are you going to do? Yeah, it has been definitely weird weather this month. Uh, it has not felt like Christmas or the holidays to me very much. It's hard to get in the holiday spirit when it's like sweaty weather. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's that's part of it also, you know, for those who are regular listeners to the show, you'll know that the pandemic is not over. Um, all, uh, you know, all, uh, you know, all attitudes of our state government to the contrary. Um, you know, I was doing all right. Uh, we, we had a nice Thanksgiving um, with, uh, with family and then we were on vacation last week. Um, and I, and I, I've not been too stressed about the Omicron variant, but um, definitely, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty right now, I think, as it relates to what the next, what the next, uh, you know, probably four to six weeks look like, um, for our, for our COVID situation in the U S generally and here in Oklahoma specifically. Um, so it's just kind of this general, like there's more unease, uh, for me than I was hoping for this winter. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. We were all hoping that COVID would be done, um, and it is not. It is coming back. I agree. The Omicron variant doesn't feel like it's really hit America yet. However, we are still very much in the grasp of the Delta variant, right? Uh, That's still spreading like wildfire. And we're not doing much uh, genotyping, and so... I suspect that while Omicron, as of today, has been detected in, I think, 36 states, I would wager it's in all 50. Just because yes. we haven't found it doesn't mean it's not there. Um, and and there, I, are, there are places in the country, based on wastewater samples, uh, there are places in the country where Omicron is already dominant. Yeah. Um, we just don't know it. Right. Because uh, we because we don't do enough testing and sequencing. So Yeah. And, God, and this is exactly what we've already been through. So, like, we know the wave is coming. It's going to be gnarly. It's starting in New York. It's going to be like it did in the beginning and with every other wave. And I think um, I I will say this week, I feel like I've seen more people. Excuse me. I I feel like I've seen more people in Oklahoma City wearing masks. Not everybody, right? Definitely not everybody. But just as I've been out, you know, holiday shopping at the pop up shops or you know, a few other places that I uh, went to today. Today I went to Barkeep over in Midtown. Have you been to Barkeep? I have not been to Barkeep. What is Barkey like? Uh, Barkeep. So it's a... Uh, oh, Barkeep. Yes. As in like two beers, Barkeep. It's uh, So it's in the building, the, the Plaza Court building where McNelly's is. It's okay. on the Walker side, like next to uh, Insomnia Cookies. Okay. And it is a... There's a bar in there. The owner is a bartender... And it's full of, it's got some barware, barware and then a whole wall of like shrubs and um, bitters and that. When you say shrub, you don't mean plant. No, the shrub that's an ingredient in drinks. I don't fully understand it. I just, 
I couldn't think I've of read it. I've read the definition of a shrub before. I don't remember what it is. It's very it's, specific. Yeah, it's an ingredient in a mixed drink. Anyway, it's a cool store. They got a lot of cool stuff in there, especially if you are someone who likes many kinds of of bitters. I, I was seriously overwhelmed. But I guess you can like look at something and say, oh, this pineapple mint one looks interesting. What can I do with it? And they can give you a recipe. I mean, that's cool. Yeah, it's like a Williams-Sonoma for fancy drink things that's really cool you know it's yeah it's it's been it's been weird i've been talking to patients about it a lot this week you know i'm back to starting every day starting every day getting on my phone and looking at like (laughs) what are the latest updates from the epidemiologists and scientists and doctors that i follow i'm now following a bunch of epidemiologists from south africa and looking at their daily updates trying to like know you know what how how best to tell my patients and the people in my life what 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 might happen and how you can best protect yourselves you know i'll tell you kind of what we're doing we're you know we've we really ashley and i have not resumed like um for the most part going like out to to eat and stuff we're still like just you know we we either cook or we order a doordash or what have you and and order stuff in um you know, but we go to the store, we're going, we've got a Christmas party we're going to tonight, the Christmas party we're going to tonight. Um, the request has been that everybody is either vaccinated with three doses of an mRNA vaccine, or um, if you've only had two doses that you take uh, uh, a two-part COVID test um, before you come at home. And that's what everybody's doing. So we feel good about that. That's what we did <clears throat> for Thanksgiving at our house. Um, um, and that worked well so we're we're trying to go about our lives as best we can i definitely would say if you're someone that if you are someone that is out there who's had two doses of vaccine and you are six months past your second dose if you are not boosted the time to get boosted is now i've got a lot of people saying i don't want to do it until after christmas because i'm going to feel sick for a couple of days don't wait for two weeks if you it's is i this is it if you if you wait for two weeks it is going to be too late now if you have two doses of an mrna vaccine you get omicron you probably will not get you probably will not get seriously ill um it seems to protect pretty well against serious illness and hospitalization but it does not protect nearly as well against symptomatic illness as three doses so uh if you're not boosted the time to get boosted is now strongly recommend uh home testing um before you know family gatherings christmas parties holiday parties whatever you're doing but you know if you're boosted and you test and you can get people in your life to do those things too Live your life and have a great time. You know, we were in uh, listeners, long-time listeners will know. I love, I love Canada. I love me some British Columbia. Um, that's a. where we were. That's say what? I said a, a. That's right. That's where we were. That's where we were last week. And dude, it was it was remarkable. It was in some ways like being in another world, right? Like you had to be vaccinated and have a negative test to get on the plane. You had to be vaccinated and have a negative test to get in the country. And then you're like walking around town, literally everyone's wearing their mask. Most people are wearing, yeah, you know, most people are wearing the outside. A lot of people are wearing them outside um, because there's just a large groups of people. Um, universal masking in all indoor spaces. And nobody was like, like, it's not a thing. Like, it's not a big deal, right? Like, everybody just wears their mask. And then when you go in like restaurants, every restaurant or bar or what have you, you walk in, someone says, hi, welcome to so-and-so. Can I see your vaccine card? You show your vaccine card and they say, awesome, have a seat. What would you like? And then you just sit down and have a great time and it's totally normal like it's so not hard like it's not hard to do yeah. this. and just for reference um 
that translates to lower transmission, right? So after you told me this the other day, I Googled it. Uh, the population of that territory, uh, that province, British Columbia, is about a little over 5 million people. So it's a little bit bigger than Oklahoma. However, they have roughly half the rate of COVID or the half number of cases, right? So they, I think their seven-day average is like 430 and our seven-day average is like 1,000. So it uh, turns out it works. Yeah, it does things anyway. Well, uh, Scott, let's... This is going to be our last episode of 2021, so we should probably talk about some things involving civics, government, and politics. Um, and last week we didn't do an episode because it was, uh, I think you're out of town. I had to do some virtual events and could not stand to do an episode by myself again. Uh, and over the last few weeks, we're just going to kind of do a smattering of things that are important. Some of these are updates on previous issues. And then we'll talk a little bit about session, right? By the by, the time we get into the next episode, which we'll record in the first week in January, session will be upon us fully, right? So, um, Scott, maybe let's start with uh, this story in the Oklahoman, although I think it's everywhere, <laughs> about Epic Charter Schools. Um, the State Board of Education uh, voted this week to fine, well, not fine, but to recoup an additional $9.1 million from uh, from misreported salaries and overspending uh, at Epic Charter Schools over the last few years, which will bring their combined total penalties that they've received from the State Board of Education to $20 million for basically charging excessive administrative cost limits. Now, this comes on the heels, Scott, um, of of a lawsuit, I think the founders are suing so to get money out of that, right? So like their whatever their third tier organization is. Yeah, the Epic Youth Services, right? The management organization. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're like, oh no, we got to get our fee. And so they are suing the board of Epic as well, from which they got booted, basically, right? So this is like a the epic is getting ripped uh they're trying to cut the baby it's being ripped from both sides from the state side because our gd tax dollars that have been going over there and then flowing through to this private business uh at excessive rates so the nonprofit entity the school itself is getting the hammer dropped on it saying you got to pay back 20 million dollars at a time when their enrollment is tanking because everything opened back up right yeah so, so epic's enrollment last year was sixty-one thousand. Uh, this year it's 38,556. So that's like a 30% drop in enrollment, um, a 35% drop in enrollment from last year. Yeah. Um, that is significant. Yeah. I think that the largest virtual charter school in the country now. That would not surprise me. So, um, and, and so to kind of let's explain this for a minute. Let's unpack it, Scott. Um, <laughs> Epic Charter Schools is a virtual, well, they have an in person piece too, they have in person and virtual charter schools so they receive state dollars right they receive tax funding and it, this is money that would otherwise be going to regular public ed right and then, right because they only get allocated you know you get allocated x number of dollars from the state legislature and you gotta spend it they have this contract with epic they were so they're sending money there and the way that that money flows is based somewhat on enrollment right between schools and so it makes sense, I think, especially in the pandemic, right? Students were not 
having in-person instruction and not every district like got on the stick to kind of get their virtual setup ready to go very quick. And so some parents moved their kids over to Epic and in, in some ways it was probably good that they existed to receive those kids, right? They were already doing as opposed to districts that had to kind of spin it up from the ground up. But at the end of the day, it still means that these are dollars that aren't going to schools that exist, that are exist, that have teacher salaries and all of that. Right. And that's what's going to change, right? So this is the state, the state board is going to withhold $9.1 million, $9.1 million. That $9.1 million is going to get distributed to the other schools throughout the state of Oklahoma. So now when you take $9 million and you spread it out to all the schools in Oklahoma, it's not nothing. You know, it's not going to be a windfall for the brick and mortar schools, but um, it is money that's going to be taken from Epic and go directly into the classroom and other schools. This, um, these penalties um, are for exceeding the state's cap on administrative uh, administrative expenses. So in Oklahoma, the law says that schools can only spend uh, 5% on admin expenses to try and make sure that as much money as possible goes directly in their classroom. Um, and Epic was spending way more on administration. And by spending way more on administration, I mean putting it in the pockets of their founders uh, who were running Epic Youth Management Services. So... Um, yeah, or Epic Youth Services, not Youth Management Services. So um, good things, I think, big deal. I don't know what it will mean for Epic and their, like, functioning, right? Like, I don't know what it will mean for their ability to, how this will affect their operations um, and the kids that they're still trying to serve. I do think that Epic is trying to move in the right direction now, you know, having having gotten rid uh, having uh, gotten rid of David Cheney and Ben Harris, um, but I think there's a lot, a lot of room to improve. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's a, it's a win for public ed, right? It's a win for, for my kids who are in public school, right? It's a, it's a win for that, and uh, hopefully, it's a big black eye to corruption, right? Like this is the kind of thing that, that I think voters cannot stand, right? When you, if voters understand what's happening, and here's what's happening. The state's giving Epic public school money, right, to run their virtual charter school. And 10% of that money is going to this private company that is owned by these two guys who founded the school, right? Mm -hmm. So directly into their pockets. Um, that's very different than administrative costs going to the teachers and administrators who are also public employees, right, in a school where everything is transparent. Yeah. Uh, so. I don't, you know, I don't, uh, I'm okay paying taxes. I don't want my taxes to go to the, the pockets of uh, some private business that's, that reporting has been lacked, lacking, that oversight has been lacking. And it is clear that they perhaps even like fabricated the actual number of students they had, right? Like, it's right. just good. That's the kind of corruption that people don't like. Absolutely. All right. So uh, next up, and this is this is something. So um, you know, in some welcome news, it looks like uh, the governor and the tribes have come to an agreement. There's going to be great mutual cooperation on renewal of uh, hunting and fishing compacts on tribal lands. So we're starting to move past McGirt decision and see cooperation from the uh, state state government and the tribes. Is that right? I was like, Scott, your your sarcasm <laughs> is very thin today. <laughs> So if listeners didn't get that, Scott was totally making that up. That is not at all the case. No, the yeah. So the the state is 
basically cut him off and said so yeah and it will in the latest in the latest round of sniping uh from the governor's office the governor has decided uh that that the state of oklahoma will decline to renew state tribal hunting and fishing compacts within the cherokee and choctaw nations and so this um these are agreements that allowed tribal citizens to purchase uh fishing and hunting licenses turkey tags deer tags etc um at reduced rates they still had to buy them from the state of oklahoma but they got they got them at significantly reduced rates um i want to say that these license fees every year would typically typically generate it's like five or six million dollars for oklahoma like it's not it's not a huge pot of money but it's not like nothing um and states said no we're not going to do that and so it sounds like he says that he's going to try and force the tribal members to pay a full full price for their hunting and fishing licenses um the tribes of course have said well no actually given that it appears our reservations were never actually disestablished um we'll just issue hunting and fishing licenses ourselves our and land, not yeah. buy them and on our own land and not buy them from the state of oklahoma so congratulations j kev uh you just cost the state five six million dollars um well so i mean this is nuts in a several layers right because this is tribal land that we have been claiming as our own that the state has been claiming as its own and then charging the native americans to hunt and fish there right and so the 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 tribes are basically like wait a second why are you why are you why did you steal our land and then lease it back to us right that's not how this is supposed to work yeah and so yet again uh in the echoes of the mcgirt decision the tribes are like, well, if you're going to play that game, we'll play hardball too. No, like we're just going right. to do our own thing. Right. And I think, you know, we've talked about the McGirt decision since before they heard it, right? We had the solicitor general on here talking about it before they even had the oral arguments. And, that, and there's a ton of really great journalism out there about it that goes way more in depth than, than we ever have time to do. But in the beginning, this was like, I remember a question. In fact, I remember an episode after the ruling where we had, brian ted jones on here the attorney where we talked through the potential implications of the mcgirt decision everything from uh tax not just criminal law but civil law taxation you know we didn't discuss hunting and fishing but we discussed mineral rights all this stuff that's called in the was potentially under an into question now the tribes have kind of said hey we can work something out here but the governor like seems like he keeps playing hardball and that is really pushing the tribes away from the negotiating table well i think it's called playing hardball if you're good at it um or i don't know what it, i think when you're i think that episode of parks and rec where andy dwyer is trying to hustle uh somebody mark uh whatever his name is and pool and he's never played pool before and it just does terrible Right. Like when you're negotiating with, say, like, I don't know, somebody who you negotiate with and you want to play hardball, both of you like there's some give and some take and you offer and they offer the same. Right. But I mean, you have a toddler. Like when your toddler throws a tantrum, would you consider yourself to be like playing hardball or consider her to be playing hardball? No, this is the governor throwing a tantrum over a <laughs> Supreme Court decision that he doesn't like. Right. It's not it's not playing hardball when you're just throwing a fit. Right. Like. Which is what which is what Governor Stitt is is doing now. There, are, you know, for lawyers that are listening, um, obviously, like I know, there's a lot of this stuff that is yet to be litigated, and there 
you know, there there's maybe a possibility that McGirt gets a, gets a return. Maybe there's possibility that a future decision explicitly limits uh, the the umbrella of McGirt to um, criminal jurisdictions, and maybe it doesn't have anything anything to do with uh, fishing or hunting or gaming or civil matters or taxation or whatever. Like maybe maybe a, a future Supreme Court case will delineate all of that. But right now it's right now it's up in the air. Right. Um, and it is just, it's just interesting to me because yeah, I'm looking at an article from local home in here um, that's talking about how the governor and the tribes have not met in several months. Like they just don't even talk anymore. <clears throat> and um, Stitt's um, spokeswoman, um, Carly Atchison uh, says that the governor has an open door to discussions with the tribes, um, but did not respond to specific questions seeking details about when the governor had met with tribal leaders or whether such meetings are a priority. And she says, quote, this is not an issue of the tribes versus Kevin Stitt. Rather, the governor and the tribal leaders have a fundamental dispute over whether or not McGurk was correctly decided. Here's the thing. The Supreme Court has spoken, right? There is no higher authority. Right. Right. Like you don't get to just disagree with the Supreme Court and be like, well, that was, they were wrong. Like, that's not how our system of government works, right? Right. Well, and that undermines the validity of the court. Right. The court of which a majority of members were appointed by President Trump. Right. I mean, well, now that wasn't the case when. Right. And it's not a majority. It's 30% of them supported, uh, were, were appointed by President Trump. A majority of them were appointed by Republicans. Yes. Um, sorry. My mistake. <laughs> but only, only three of them. Don't. You know, lawyers. It's cool. <laughs> I well, I said that I was actually thinking about our state Supreme Court, of which I believe now a majority of them were appointed by Governor Stitt. If not yet, then it's expected by the end of his term, then five of the nine will be appointed by him. Right. It's just you know, it's just the governor and tribal leaders have a fundamental dispute over whether McGirt was correctly decided. That dispute is over, right? Like you lost, like. <laughs> right like so this isn't this isn't an ongoing discussion like you lost and you're throwing a tantrum is what he's doing and so that's why i understand your characterization of his position as playing hardball but i disagree what? <laughs> i would say he's playing hardball but not in not in good faith right like there you go a tantrum is probably a better description and not only has he lost but he's they've tried to appeal the decision a number of ways and has been batted down each of those times, right? Like he, it's, it's repeated loss losses. Yeah. So moving on. So we here in the U S of a, we, we live in a free market economy, right? Yes. Yeah. So doesn't that usually mean that if companies lose money, like they just lose money? You mean they have to accept lower profits? Yes. And perhaps return slightly less value to their shareholders? Yes. That's the way a free market works. Yes. Yeah. Is that what we have? Well, our markets are not entirely efficient, Scott. <laughs> because because last year we had a uh, we had a spike in uh, power consumption during a record breaking freeze. Big freeze. Um, big freeze. There was a massive spike in. Uh, uh, massive spike in uh, 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 the price of natural gas and the price of electricity um, that cost our utility providers a lot of money. Um, and now they are wanting to 
uh, they are wanting to create special rate hikes to recoup all of those funds after the fact. Uh, so this is in reference to Oklahoma, Oklahoma Gas and Electric, OG&E. They put forth a plan to recover $760 million from customers over the next 10 years. That plan was approved this week by the Oklahoma Corporation Commission. Um, I guess I'm just puzzled because like they made record profits last quarter. They had profits of like $242 million last quarter. Um, and yet they're asking us for more money. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm a, uh, I'm not good at the new math. Not an economist. Don't have a business degree. Explain it to me, Andy. Well, the way it works, Scott, is that when the when prices are are up, they win, and when prices are down, they win. That's that's not how I was told it was supposed to happen. And to put it <laughs> another way, when prices are low, you lose, and when prices are high, you lose as the consumer. Good. Is- good. Yeah, so it turns out that the I was the the party who loves tax cuts and does not want government intervention is here asking for the government to intervene on their behalf to protect profits, right? That's what it seems like. That's exactly what it is. It's not doesn't even seem like it. It is. <laughs> and yeah, and so this will result in Oklahomans getting screwed out of well millions of dollars dollars collectively, but individually thousands right yeah basically the are you gonna talk about the the cutoff fee yeah so the well so this that's oklahoma natural gas i think i don't think that's that's not even that's not even ONG, uh oklahoma gas and electric that's ong oh that's right, right. no yeah og and e is just so that it's two different solutions to the yeah. same problem so og and e so this is on the one hand like so this is going to be oklahoma gas and electric the average customer is going to see an increase of a couple dollars on their monthly bill for like the next 10 years, right? So that's $2.20 times what, 12 months. So that's 24 bucks a year uh, times the next 10 years. So that's like $240 for the next 10 years, right? I mean, that's probably doable for most people who pay for their electric, but damn it, it's the principle of the thing. Right. Well, because it's two bucks here, it's two bucks there. You know, pretty soon it adds up to a whole bill. Right. Um, Oklahoma Natural Gas, one plan that they have put forward is that uh, for anyone who wants to, say, disconnect from their natural gas and start using solar or geothermal um, and no longer have natural gas at their house, um, is uh, they would, there would be a $1,400 one-time disconnect fee. So they're going to charge you 1400 bucks to no longer use their service. Well, so I'm what's bogus about that, because I know how this is going to play out, is that let's say uh, two people are renting apartments and have are renting houses and they have gas service at their homes and they meet and they fall in love and they get married and they move into the same house and then one of them disconnects their service why you're going to you're going to find them for falling in love are you that's yes preposterous yes. that is exactly what they're going to do i mean we run into the same thing where with my wife and i when we got married and we moved in together we bought a house and moved and I called to get the gas turned on here and they were going to charge me a like a $300 deposit because I haven't had gas service in the last five years or something. And I was like, well, I, the house I lived at didn't have gas. It wasn't an option. And they were like, okay, well, it's still a deposit. And I was like, for what? For, I was like, well, I'm, you got the service, man. It's not like you're going to repo that gas. And I said, well, what if my wife calls? They're like, well, does she have service now? It's like, yeah, she lives, you know, not far away. Yeah, she can transfer her service for free. And I was like, 
it's the same household, man. So it just, again, heads they win, tails they win. Yeah. Yep. Feels good, doesn't it? Feels good. Just America. Free market yeah. economy. Yeah. Speaking of uh, speaking of free and fair, um, let's talk about elections for a minute. Oh, God. Uh, do I need to pour whiskey? I mean, you might. This is really just <laughs> a, a preview, uh, maybe as an early reminder to listeners that next year is the election year. To be clear, there were elections this year. Many of you voted in them. They were important. Every election is important to somebody. So we just want uh, listeners to be aware that there are some bigger, perhaps more consequential, or at least higher profile elections happening next year, even early in the year, right? So as a reminder, next year, all of the statewide offices are up. Um, so all of the state house and the the six, eight statewide electeds, governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, insurance commissioner, school superintendent, labor commissioner, all those, those are all up in November. So we'll have primaries in June and, and then those in November. However, early in the year, we have a couple of other very important elections. Um, most notably is uh, on February 8th. Uh, that is the election for mayor in Oklahoma City, Norman, Midwest City, um, probably some others, but those are big deals, certainly here in the middle of the state. Uh, that election will also involve some school board seats, um, including school board seats in it's in 15 counties or 15 school districts: Bethany, Choctaw, Nakoma Park, Crooked Oak, Crutcho, Deer Creek, Edmond, Hera, Jones, Luther, Midwest City, Dell City, Millwood, Oakdale, OKCPS, Putnam City, and Western Heights. That's in Oklahoma County. So those 15 districts are all having school board elections. Uh, Norman Moore, Norman Moore, Noble, Lexington, Little Axe, Robin Hill, all of those in Cleveland County as well. So this is a big deal. It's not every seat in those districts, um, but quite a few. And this will be a big deal in places like Western Heights. We've talked about them a lot on the podcast and all the main shenanigans that have gone down with some of their board members and certainly their previous superintendent uh, and how and what's happening down there. But also I think this year, just in general, um, because of, well, honestly, because of drummed up uh, drama about, quote, critical race theory being taught in schools, and it's not, but these issues uh, have become a, a thing where school board seats are under attack, right? And it's a, you know, I think I talked about this previously, it's uh, school board is almost, it's not a full-time job. It's a lay person who cares about the schools in their district and they run for this office, usually spend their own money, right? It takes a few thousand dollars to run a decent campaign to get elected. And then they have to represent the people there and they're starting to get challenged by, well, folks that you may not want to run your schools, right? Like uh, I know in Deer Creek, the guy ran and like did mailers with like assault weapons on there, right? It was like a pro-gun um, thing for school board, which just, it's fine if you like guns, but maybe don't advertise you're running for school board with guns involved like that on a day or a year where we've had multiple school shootings already. It seems like those kind of folks shouldn't even win, but it gets close. Right. And I, so I think we have to be as voters 
paying close attention to where these races are and who is running and not just cast your vote willy-nilly. Very well said. Also, uh, in Oklahoma City, I'm sure we'll talk more about this as we get closer. Incumbent Mayor David Holt is running for re-election. He has, I'm aware of at least three challengers. Um, There's a guy on the left, Jimmy Lawson, that is at least couched as a progressive. I don't know much about him. I saw his video and website the other day. Uh, On the right, you have most notably Carol Hefner, right, who is married into the Hefner family. Uh, And so she's pretty far right. Her and her husband were involved in bringing, um, oh, they met with Roger Stone the other day, I guess, (laughs) at uh, 21C at Marietti's. Um, But they they brought, you know, Trump to, to Oklahoma for a rally. There's, they've been pretty involved with that. So it's, I think the heat is starting to be applied to Mayor Holt from both sides. I think he's also a candidate that appeals to a lot of folks in the middle, so he, he may prevail. But I think if you're interested in who the mayor of Oklahoma City is, this is a good opportunity for you to get more involved in in a campaign. Only 50 days left, so there's not much time for you to be involved, but anything would be uh, would undoubtedly be appreciated by the candidate of your choice. Scott, I, as we sit here, again, on recording on Friday afternoons often means that we receive breaking news while we're recording. And I just saw a story come through the Tulsa world about Epic Charter Schools, which we just discussed a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is a story uh, from like literally within the last few minutes um, that Epic Charter Schools um, has confirmed that it is uh, cooperating with cooperating and assisting uh, multiple state agencies who are investigating some quote very serious crimes that occurred uh, during the years that Epic was controlled by its founders, uh, David Cheney and Ben Harris. Uh, so it, just kind of going through here, it looks like OSBI uh, is investigating uh, Epic and EYS on multiple, uh, uh, on multiple, for multiple allegations of wrongdoing. <clears throat> um, um, these are events that are alleged to have happened from 2015 to 2019. Um it doesn't say exactly what all of the allegations what all of the allegations are but that is i would say that the takeaway there is that uh not only is epic not only is epic uh being forced to repay this you know 20 million dollars in in total um but it looks like there could be criminal charges filed against uh several parties that were involved with Epic uh, for a number of years. This is the whole thing involving Epic is absolutely bananas. Uh, Scott, as, as you were speaking, I was just scrolling down the story and at the bottom. The Tulsa world has a collection of the writer, uh, the, the author, the journalists pieces that she's written about this. Um, not just to Epic, but other things, but one of them is a story I didn't even notice but it says that the the day after the state auditor's office issued their investigative audit of Epic Charter Schools months ago, one of the co-founders of Epic and his wife both gave maximum campaign donations to State Senator Paul Rossino. A couple months later, Rossino sponsored a bill 
with the very recommendations that this epic co-founder Ben Harris that he was that he was supporting and it would basically say that if a school district or a public agency doesn't like their auditor they can fire them like if they if an auditor does an audit and they don't like it they can just fire their auditor and so the Tulsa world reached out to Senator Rossino and said Hey, was there a connection here? And he denied, of course, the any connection between the candidates. Those have nothing to do with each other, Andy. And then, uh, but a few weeks after the Tulsa World story ran, where they exposed that, like, hey, listen, this guy wants, um, he thinks they should be allowed to fire their auditor. They maxed out donations to the senator. The senator ran a bill that would allow them to fire their auditor. And fortunately, that bill died in committee by a vote of 30 to 4. Um but just again, when we go back to the word corruption, it's shit like that that drives voters, drives me crazy, drives you crazy, and I guarantee drives most of Oklahoma absolutely nuts, right? Absolutely, absolutely. What is happening? <laughs> Sorry. Playing a little movie in the background there? Well, no, I wasn't. I just opened and I opened, I had multiple windows uh. open. And I went back to the the other window that I had, and my Hulu from last night just started playing. Nice. What are you watching? Uh, I'm doing a rewatch of Modern Family. Oh, you know, I started watching that the other day too. Uh, it's it's nice to laugh again, right? It is. It's just, it's just yes. It's just good quality. Yes. Well, I I will say on the term of quality, I also just completed watching Succession, which I know some of our listeners have been watching. I'm late to the party. I started it the week of Thanksgiving and was immediately sucked in. And so just powered through all three seasons right up to the season three finale this past week or past the weekend. Man, it's good. And the next season is not going to come out for two years. <laughs> two like, years. It's like man. So I've I've been preaching to you that you need to watch it. You've got some I time do, to catch up. I do need to I do need to watch it. You gotta watch that and you gotta watch um Res Dogs. Another yes. excellent show. Yes. We've watched that twice. I might go back and watch it a third time. Both on the list. Do you know do you know what show I started watching this week? Is it the West Wing? No. Is it no, Ted Lasso again? No, no, this is uh this is a new show. I don't know. Schmigadoon. So I did I did watch Schmigadoon. Um I was a little disappointed with it actually. So when I was in college, my uh my uh my buddy, my best buddy Rob, he uh he and I lived together in college. His girlfriend also lived with us, now his wife. Uh so as the the unofficially the three of us were roommates for like two years. And yeah. uh Jen was a big fan of Sex in the City, and uh, you know, oh, there's a we're new in college. One. We're in college, and you know, you get you get the one big TV in college in the living room. So, uh, just suffice to say, I've, I've watched a fair amount of Sex in the City. Then I got married. My wife, big Sex in the City fan, so I've seen a fair amount of Sex in the City. So this week, the new Sex in the City, uh, just like that, and uh, asked her some how she was going to watch it, and uh, I was like, you know, I'm curious, actually. I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just curious what this is like. So I did watch the first two episodes with Ashley of, uh, and just like that this week. And, uh, I'm intrigued. I'm yeah. Intrigued with what's going to happen. We'll see. Interesting. I, I would tell you, since we're talking about TV, why not? This is happier than, uh, you know, Epic Charter Schools fleecing Oklahomans. Um, I, so I watched 
Res Dogs, Ted Lasso, then did Succession. Um, I did The Wire earlier this year. Caught up on that finally. I never watched it, but I've heard good things. Was it as what is it as good as you have heard? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. It's quite good. In the background, I've also been re-watching Parks and Rec because um, it also makes me laugh. Kind of started Modern Family, but I'm not super invested in really finishing either one of those. It's just nice to know they're out there. Now, did you but, watch Modern Family before? Um, I mean, some. So that show really came out at about the time in my life where I stopped watching TV regularly, right? Like I would watch it if it was on, but I wasn't like, got to get home Thursdays by seven for, you know, sure. mostly TV. Um, on my list coming up is um, Yellowstone. I want to watch that real bad. Okay, so I have made so much fun of Yellowstone because it's like, oh, it's like NCIS. It's a show my parents watch. No, apparently it's really good. Yeah, that's what I've heard too. I'm, I'm going to. I'm. I also have Yellow Yellowstone, Yellowstone, Res Dogs, Succession, The Wire. These are all on my list. Of list. Shows yeah, and on my free time. Well, and then the new Matrix movie comes out next week as well. Did I send you the trailer for that? Uh, one of us sent it to the other person. I've seen it several times. It's, it looks so awesome. I'm real. I'm real excited. Do you know what we did watch last weekend? So Katie and I had won a gift certificate for a free night at 21C here in Oklahoma City. Nice. So we went last weekend. It was our first weekend without the baby in uh, roughly 22 months. So that was nice. We were both exhausted, and so we just got there and like got drinks downstairs and then went back to our room and uh we were like what are we gonna what are we gonna do so we're like well we could watch tv something we almost never do together at home sure, sure. and there was it was like 10 30 on saturday night we we weren't feeling snl we're flipping through and we had had dinner with some friends earlier and for some reason the the subject of sandra bullock and i guess she's got some new movie out but we made jokes about the movie speed and it was on. We happened to catch it right at the beginning on HBO. And we're like, yeah, we'll watch it. It's a good movie. But I forgot how absolutely stressful it is from beginning to end. So we got done at like 1 or 1.30 a.m. Stressed to the max. <laughs> we're already tired. And then we got to sleep in like a strange bed. And, you know, of course, Katie was nervous about the baby. And um, so we woke up at like 5.30 or 6, like normal wondering if the baby's okay and if you know if she was gonna wake up happy at grandma's house and so i was like man okay that was a terrible idea and i also drank a, a really delicious but very spicy uh drink that involved habaneros and mezcal and so like just picture you know habanero induced uh reflux with stress from speed it's not it was not a romantic evening so, so, so how was your relaxing night at 21 c right, right. yeah i will say the next day though the room we were in had a huge ass bathtub and i i you would like this you're a bath person i drew yeah. a, a a bath that was probably 36 inches deep and i just sat in there um for a long time really made me feel weird the rest of the day though i felt like i probably cooked myself a little bit a little too <laughs> stewy and did you like did felt, you uh did you read uh, I I scrolled Twitter, which also wasn't particularly relaxing. So. so I read I read a I read a ton on my vacation, um, and you're gonna be like you're gonna I don't want to say you're gonna scoff. You're gonna be like, of course, I think it's what you're gonna say. Um, so I took some books, and I did read some books. But you, do you know I read mostly on my vacation magazines? Yes. Do you know which one? Based on this conversation, either YM or Cosmo. <laughs> <laughs> 
well played well played <laughs> no i made it uh i made it almost all the way through uh this quarter not this quarter it's six times a year of a foreign affairs magazine oh yeah that's okay that's very on brand well and it's one of my like reading about like just international international politics and foreign policy is one of the things that i'm like just very passionate about and have not paid nearly as much attention to mm -hmm. um recently uh, and so I took that with me. And so I too drew a bath on vacation and uh, sat in the bathtub reading Foreign Affairs magazine. And it was delightful. Nice. Was it on, was it on Saturday morning or Sunday, Sunday morning? No, no. Sunday morning. I was um, hoping that I wasn't going to be snowed in and miss my flight. But oh, fair, fair enough. All right. Well, uh, we've gotten way off the rails. Scott, I'd like to say to you and to our listeners, Thank you for joining us again for another year of Let's Pod This. Absolutely. This is our 189th episode. I know uh, Scott and I discussed the desire to do some live episodes, but obviously COVID had other plans. So we haven't been able to do that. Uh, we might do some kind of winter special over the next couple of weeks. Uh, I guess we've got roughly uh, three weeks until our next scheduled episode. But Scott, I'm still game for doing our our velour smoking jackets and your fireplace and some kind of a civics special. Oh, we should absolutely do that. I also want to say thank you to you for all the work that you put in. I mean, I think, you know, it's the two of us and Bailey that bring the, that bring the content, but it's definitely you that puts in the work behind the scenes in terms of uh, post production and, and posting it up and all that. So thank you for all the work that you put in that lets us do this every Friday. Um, and uh, thanks for it's been a it's been a long year, so long two years. So just thanks for thanks for everything. You're you're quite welcome, listeners. Um, I will also announce on this episode that we have uh, we've revised, redone our website. I've been working on it all this week. So if by some chance you've looked at it between Monday and today, uh, it's probably looked different because I've done a few live uh, iterations of it. But there's some new features that I want to tell you on. It's mostly the same, same content overall. But we're gearing up for a really exciting 2022. And a couple of things I want to point you to. One is the donation button, of course. If you'd like to donate to Let's Fix This, we would be really appreciative. Uh, we are a 501c3. All of your donations are tax deductible. Um, and it goes into civic education and civic engagement, helping um, engage and educate Oklahomans about their government. Uh, and we need your we need your support. You can do that. We have a new donation platform that you can use, and you can sign up for a recurring donation, make it weekly, monthly, whatever fits your budget. That would be a huge deal. Uh, we've got uh, some big goals for 2022, and you can help us reach that. Secondly, if you click on Get Involved, the, then the first option is to sign up. Uh, you can sign up. It'll, I'll probably change it to say volunteer, but you can sign up to be a volunteer. Related to... Um, just the sheer number of elections that are going to be happening next year. We want to do our part in helping ensure that all Oklahomans know that they can and should vote and that their vote matters, right? The only time your vote doesn't matter, really, Scott, is when you don't vote, right? Amen to that. So um, we are putting together a plan and a project and an effort to boost voter turnout in some of the areas of the state that have been plagued by habitually low or historically low voter turnout. We'd love to see it increase across the state. Please uh, go there, sign up, and we will get you in the hopper to help it's, us do that. Uh, 
it's going to be an exciting, it's going to be an exciting, exciting year. I think um, we got a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff we're working forward. Um, a lot of, you know, we'll see. Hopefully the culmination of a couple of years of um, late night, early morning texts and rants and plans and things. So we're going to do it. All right. Uh, on that note, Scott, it's the end of the episode. Thanks for being here, my friend. Thank you, man. Listeners, thank you for being here as well. As I said, go to the website, letsfixthis.org. Sign up um, to volunteer. Sign up to donate. Uh, and let's, I mean, well, honestly, let's fix this together. And remember, decisions are made by those who show up. We'll see you next year.